Hey there, and welcome to the Pioneering Today podcast with me, Melissa K. Norris, inspiring your faith and your pioneer roots using old-fashioned wisdom and skill sets in a modern world. This is episode number 116, and today I am going to, one, share my story. So if you're on my email list, or you may have heard some of the previous podcast episodes where I kind of alluded to or told you that I have just recently quit my day job and I'm being a full-time homesteading mama and blogger and author and, of course, podcaster joining you guys here. But I wanted to share some steps that led up to that and how I was able to do that because there's an income loss there, right? And so I wanted to share with you the steps and some of the things that my husband and I had been putting into place and doing in order to get us to this point. For you, it may not be that you're wanting to quit a day job and do something else, but it may be that you need to get your finances in order. It may be that you're looking to go down to maybe one income, but whatever it is, I think no matter what the situation that you are in, that these tips and my story will help you, even if it's just to save a little bit of money to set some aside for maybe something fun or a family vacation, or maybe in our case, it is to start to pay off some debt and to get yourself more set up that you don't have to have necessarily that extra income. So that is what we're going to be sharing about today. Let me back up a little bit for those of you who may be new or to give you a little bit of backstory. I have been a pharmacy tech has been my day job for over... 18 years. I started right out of high school working in our local pharmacy and then I went to pharmacy tech school and have been in the pharmacy for that long. And I also grew up as a homesteader. So I say I'm a fifth generational homesteader. If you go back probably even further back, my family has always lived close to the land, up in the mountains, raising their own food, putting up food and being very self-reliant. So it was something that I was raised in. Growing up, we always had our own beef. My dad has always raised his own cattle, and then we've harvested that for our beef. We've always had a big summer vegetable garden. My mom always canned. She always cooked from scratch. A lot of it was out of necessity. So my dad, when I was growing up, was self-employed. He was a logger. We live in the Pacific Northwest, so that was kind of at the height of when that industry was really going. It's not so much the case anymore, and he's now since retired. He just had his 80th birthday this past year. But when I was growing up, that was what he did. And so because we were self-employed, sometimes if you've ever been self-employed, you know, sometimes things go really good and sometimes they're not. And we never went without. We were always well provided for. But there wasn't always a lot of extra money. A lot of the times my mom, out of necessity, like I said, we had our own beef. So chicken was something that we had very rarely. Same with fish because that wasn't something when I was growing up that they raised themselves at that time. Now my husband and I, we do raise those items ourselves. We have our own meat chickens and we raise our own pork and our own beef and we've got laying hens. But when I was growing up, we just had the beef cattle and the vegetable garden and we had some fruit. We would go out and pick blackberries because they are technically a noxious weed where I live. They're very, very prolific. We would go out and pick blackberries. My mom would can up and make our own blackberry jam, actually jelly, because the seeds in the blackberries are really big. So she would make jelly and syrup. Almost all of our food was totally made from scratch. My mom hardly ever, do I recall, bought biscuits. 
True story, you guys. I had never had an Oreo cookie because my mom baked cookies. If we got to have cookies, it was something she made from scratch. We didn't buy very much store-bought food. I had never even had an Oreo until I was in high school. I was staying the night at a girlfriend's house, and she was like, oh, we're going to have Oreos tonight, Oreos and milk. And she was all excited, and I'm like, what is that? Like... (laughs) And I have to say they were good, but they weren't, um, I didn't think they were anything like wow about. So I'm kind of spoiled and I still think made from scratch tastes better. But just to give you a little bit of the background of how I was raised, was already raised kind of doing a lot of this stuff. When my husband and I got married, of course, I went to work in the pharmacy, like I said, and we started doing more and more of raising our own food and putting it up and really just delving deep into this lifestyle. He wasn't raised in this lifestyle of having a garden and canning and dehydrating and raising your own food and that type of thing. But he quickly jumped in and does more with the animals, honestly, right now than even I do. It's a great team and he really adapted to this way of life, which that is probably going to be another upcoming podcast episode because I've had some questions about that working together as a family and, and with your spouses and how that all goes. That will be coming up. Almost two years ago now, I really felt that my husband and I, looking at our finances, that I really wanted us to get out of debt. We don't carry credit card debt. We have a credit card, but it's something that we've used and always paid off every month to garner points or whatever that we don't carry a balance on it. So I don't ever have to pay interest and whatever we put on it, we're able to pay off in its entirety. We've been very, very blessed and fortunate that way, but... We had vehicles that we got a loan to get. We had a camper trailer. And of course, we have a mortgage on our home. We don't own our home outright. And we also had medical bills. We do have medical. We're very fortunate that we have medical, but we had some deductibles and just some different things. My uh, daughter has von Willebrand's disease, which is a blood clotting disorder. And so when we finally got that diagnosed, we had a lot of medical bills to pay off due to lab work. There was a lot, a lot of lab work involved with that. And then my son broke his arm. So we had x-rays and you know, just how it goes. So we had some medical bills that we had been paying on. We had been paying them every month, um, little by little, but realistically we had been paying on medical bills. We would kind of get one paid off and then something else would happen and we would have another one. We had been paying on medical bills, which was part of just our monthly payment that we were making on bills out for a number of years. And I really just strongly felt I'm like, we have got too many monthly payments. We really need to work on getting these down. And I would love to have everything paid off, even our home, but at least to get all of these other bills paid off so that the only thing that we've got going, of course, living expenses, but is our mortgage. So we systematically started working on the bills and we used the snowball effect. Most people have heard of Dave Ramsey. If they don't follow him, they're kind of familiar with it. Basically, we would pick this bill that we owed the least amount on and try to make extra payments, get that paid off. And then whatever we were paying a month on that bill, we immediately rolled into the next bill that we had. We didn't take that extra money and put it into our regular spending. We just applied it to the next bill and so on and so forth. And so we started with the medical bills. And if you're wanting to have ways to save money or to come up with that extra money because you're like, I feel like I'm already pretty well taxed. If I had the extra money to pay it off, I'd have done it already, right? Well, in the resource section, so you can go to melissaknorris.com slash podcast. This is episode number 116, 116. Go to the resource notes of this episode and I will link to some of our previous podcasts that talk about how to make money when you're homesteading or how to get make extra money when you're already, when you feel like you're already broke. It's a different 
different resources to help you out there to give you some ideas where you can maybe come up with a little bit extra cash in order to apply to these bills to start the snowball effect. That's what we did. We were able to pay off the medical bills first. We took that money and started rolling it into the car payment, got that paid off, and then we paid off our camper trailer and we got that paid off. We were able to knock out, um, it was about four different bills that we had had over a couple of starting. It took us like over a couple years period of time. In the meantime, I've been very blessed that the blog has been growing and the website and the podcasts and which just thrills me to know when because homesteading and all these old fashioned wisdom and just skill sets and self-sufficiency. I, I love all this stuff. I really truly do. It is just it's my passion and I love it that there's so many other people that's interested in it. It's been such a great community. I just feel very fortunate to be able to share with you guys and you guys share back with me and I it's just fabulous. That's really where my heart lies. Ever since I was a little girl when I was eight years old I've always loved books. You've probably heard me say this before but I totally blame my mom because every night she read to me when I was a little girl at bedtime we would read one chapter per night of whatever book we were in and we went through a lot of different series but the Little House on the Prairie series, so Laura Ingalls Wilder, was one of the first series, and we read through it many different times throughout the years. She planted that seed. I always said I was born a century too late, which I say kind of jokingly tongue-in-cheek because the Lord knew exactly where he wanted each of us placed throughout time. He put me where he wanted me to be, but I do have an affinity for the things of old. Well, when I discovered, it was about eight years old, I discovered that people actually wrote books and that was their living because I love books. I love to read. From that time on, I when anybody would ask me what I wanted to be, I wanted to be an author. So I started writing books when I was in grade school. I got to do the Young Authors Program. Anything to do with writing, I've just been fascinated with. I actually thought it was going to start out being a historical fiction author because you guessed it. I love historical because it's back in the pioneer days. And I love stories. I think stories are such an intricate part of who we are. I think we learn so well from stories, and I just adore stories. Did you get that? I initially started the blog because I learned that if you wanted to get published and have books out, that you needed to have some type of platform or a way to reach people who are interested in what you wrote about. And I thought, well, I'm writing about wagon trains and way back in the day and Dutch oven cooking and cooking from scratch, you know, and they raised their own food and all of this. I'll start a blog and I'll share different recipes or different things that the characters and the books that I was writing with at the time in the era that they were. And then that'll translate over. That's how Pioneering Today was born. So this was way back in... I actually believe it was like November of 2011, 2012, so about five, at least five years ago. That's how the blog got started. I quickly fell in love with sharing everything and discovering new things and connecting with other people. And I still kept submitting my work to different publishers. I kept getting rejected, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I just kept getting told no for various different reasons, but I did get a literary agent and I went to a writer's conference and lo and behold, one of the editors sent back regretfully that they weren't interested in publishing my historical fiction at that time, but she had went to my website and she loved everything that I was sharing and would I be interested in writing a nonfiction book for them? And I'm like, oh, well, Yes, 
I certainly would. And that's where the Made From Scratch Life came from, my first book. And then Handmade, The Modern Guide to Made From Scratch Living, which is just releasing, released October 1st, 2017, is basically the sequel. It's actually got longer. It's more pages, all new recipes, over 100 new recipes that are in there in tutorials with a lot of snippets from the Great Depression era that we can use now. Because I love taking the old and marrying it into our modern day lives with actual usable things that we can do. As the blog grew and then I have my second book coming out, I was really feeling torn. I was really, I was too busy, honestly. There was so much that needed to be done that I reached the point that I, I could not do anymore between the pharmacy and the writing and the books, which I loved. And I'm not complaining. I feel very, very blessed. But just to, to really be honest with you, everything at home, because we do run a full functioning homestead with you know my husband and the two kids, it got to the point where I could not add one more thing to my plate. Then my publisher contacted me and were interested in having me possibly work on some more books or to do some new writing projects. I couldn't. I said, I, I cannot take on anything else. And I thought we had really big, long discussion between, you know, the both of us and lots of prayer. My whole life, I have wanted to be an author and a writer, and it's been my passion. And it was coming down to the point where I was going to have to say no, because I, I didn't have enough of me to go around or enough of me to do it. That's when I realized that the reality of quitting my day job was something that I needed to look at because it was either to keep the day job and keep working at the pharmacy or to be able to pursue what I really feel God has called me to do and has, has blessed me with and given me the opportunity to do was I going to turn down my passions in order to do the other job. It was really a process. It was lots of prayer, asking God if if he wanted me to stay at the pharmacy, then he needed to help me not to have the, the passion and the drive to do this so that I would feel content wherever he wanted me to be. But if it was to be, then he would let me know that. There were some series of events that unfolded. We really started to look at our finances and to see if that would be a possibility. From the faith side, I really felt, and I don't say this lightly, but I really felt the Lord say to me, you have been holding on to the day job and what you know as your safeguard, as a safety net. And I'm supposed to be your safety net. I'm supposed to be the one that you look through for your trust. It was that day that I went in and I'm still filling in um, on a fill-in basis, but I gave my two weeks notice, officially put in my, my notice at the pharmacy some of the things, like I said, that enabled us to do that was going back and getting some different things paid off. And one of the things when we were looking at it is, one, obviously, you have to have some type of extra money. And like I said, there's some different tips. There's some different things you may be able to do. Maybe you're going to be able to sell something. Maybe you will take on some type of a side job or do some moonlighting in order to get some extra money to put towards those bills so that you can get them paid off sooner. But one of the things that I had not realized, because a lot of the times when you do get a loan for something, at the time, you're looking at the payment and it's all broken down for you and you see how much you're going to pay in interest over time. But as the months start to go by, you kind of forget or you don't look at and see actually how much each month you are actually paying in interest. So just interest we're not talking, you know, principal or anything like that. When I first started all of this, 
I called and had to get the payoff amounts and really look at everything. I was shocked at how much it added up that we were actually paying every month in just interest alone, which to me is kind of like, that's just wasted money, right? After figuring out, I realized that once we got everything paid off, that that's how much extra money would be in our pockets on just the interest alone, not even, of course, that we're not making those payments. So that was a really big motivator, especially when we did maybe want to make some more extra purchases or not being buckled down so much with our budget and our purchases. That is tip number one, to really know how much it is that you're spending and to try and look for ways to get enough extra money. Even if you can only apply a small amount Some months or more months, it may be more, but just to be starting to put aside and to apply some to those payments, it helps. Another thing that I did was I looked at our mortgage payment and instead of paying it once a month, we went to just every other week. Take the weeks in a year and divide it out. It ends up being, I'm trying to remember now when I did them out, it ends up being one or two extra payments that you make for the entire year. But when I did that, you guys, it took seven years off the life of our mortgage. Seven years just by paying every other week. If you're able to do that to break your payment down into every other week instead of once a month payments, that was a huge amount of savings just off the, just boom, like that, seven years. That's pretty amazing. Some of the other things we did is we looked around and we ended up having a garage sale. We had some items that we weren't using. So it's kind of like some of those, and some of them were bigger, bigger things that you're looking at. You're like, you know, we've had this for like two or three years and we haven't used it. That also helps with decluttering, which definitely helps the mind. But we really went through and looked at all of the things that we just had at our home and that were still in obviously, you know, really good shape that we could sell. We did that and we took that money and applied that to extra loans. So that's another thing that you can do. And of course, I really started to look back at our food, making sure that we were cooking from scratch and not only cooking from scratch, because that's something that I do all the time. I don't buy box stuff, but a lot of times you need to take an inventory of what you have. So this summer, we really needed to defrost our freezer because we raise all of our own meat and I do can a lot of it, but when you butcher a whole pig and a cow, that's a lot of meat at once. So we have to have a chest freezer in order to hold all of that. And like I said, I do can quite a bit of our meat, especially if we're lucky enough, if my husband gets a deer and we get venison, then most of the venison gets canned up. There's very little of that that we actually freeze, but we do have a big freezer. And so we'll, I'll use that for berries and just something, some vegetables, are not canning candidates. And some of them I don't like canned. I actually prefer frozen. And because we can so much, then I've got the freezer space for that. Long story short, we had not defrosted our freezer in like two or three years and it desperately needed to be defrosted. We had to defrost it. Took everything out. Plus it was right before we were getting ready to butcher our meat chickens. And so we had I can't remember now if it was 12 or 15, (laughs) 12 or 15 meat chickens. So that's 12 or 15 whole birds that we were going to be butchering that needed to go in the freezer because my whole birds, I freeze whole. I don't can those up generally 
those go in whole and then I roast them. We use that meat for whatever meals. We'll eat it roasted the first night. And then I use whatever meat is left to turn into something else, another meal. And then I make broth out of the carcass. I get three or four different meals off of the one bird because then I take that broth and usually can it up or if I need it right then and there, we'll use it. And then that broth gets turned into soups or I use it for cooking water or just to drink in the wintertime when it's cold out or you have a cold. Some hot broth is excellent, but we needed our freezer space because we were putting 12 or 15 whole birds in the freezer. So we went to defrost the freezer. We were quite shocked to realize at how much food we actually had in our freezer because some of it had been shoved behind something else. And when you have a big freezer at the back of the shelves, it's really easy to kind of lose things, especially if it's smaller things. You quickly just forget what you have in there. We took a big inventory. I did an inventory of everything that was in the freezer so that we didn't mistakenly purchase anything when we went to the stores. And it really got us back into meal planning mode so that I was planning all of our meals from the items in the freezer and not having to purchase additional items to make the meals when you go to the grocery store. Because it's so easy when you go shopping you're walking through the store and it may be on sale. It's usually that's how a lot of us shop when we're frugal minded and it's, you know, a whole food or it's not processed, but you see something and it looks good. You're like, oh, I want to make, you know, whatever for dinner. I'm going to use this or, oh man, this is on sale. I'm going to stock up and I'm going to get this and then I'll make whatever it may be for dinner. And it kind of just varies for seasonal things. That was kind of happening a lot in our house. And it's one of those things that had kind of gradually snuck up. I didn't really realize that we were doing that much. Went through my freezer and I already had a pretty good inventory of all of our canned goods and my dry goods. Freezer was a little bit different story. So we went through and I made a complete inventory of all the items that were in the freezer. We went back to meal planning, started cooking all of our meals out of what we had on hand so that we're buying very little from the grocery store. And I know it seems simple and it's something I've talked about doing before, but sometimes, like I said, we don't even realize that we've kind of gotten off track or that we're not really doing something like we should be, which is what had happened to us. I highly recommend that you go through and take an inventory if you have not done so lately with your freezer. And it also helps because we took everything out in order to defrost it. And unfortunately, there were a few items that we ended up having to get rid of that were way, 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 way too old or had gotten freezer burnt. And that's another reason to keep an actual inventory of what you have in your freezer. We can make sure that we're doing food rotation and not throwing anything out. I hate wasting food and throwing it out. That has been very helpful as we've been doing our meal planning. So for example, we take one of the whole chickens and actually use that in the Instant Pot, but you can roast it or use it in the slow cooker. And I've got that broth that naturally just comes out and all of that meat. So then we'll just eat that, like I said, regularly just that night. And then I love to take that and pull all of the meat off and then put the carcass, so extra skin and all the bones and everything back in the pot, throw some vegetables in and make stock. So broth or stock from that. Then turn that into another meal. So some of my favorites to do, we did chicken enchiladas, which is one of our absolute favorites. And I did a white sauce. So I used the broth from the chicken and created a white sauce to go on top. If you've got home canned tomato sauce or fresh tomatoes, of course, you can make your own enchilada sauce if you want to go the red sauce route. 
And chicken and dumplings. Oh, my goodness. Chicken and dumplings is one of our favorite. We're harvesting a lot of vegetables still out of the garden. So the carrots and we've got our onions going. So that's a great one to use up a lot of our summer harvest that we've already got on hand. And we love to do a beef stew, which those are great ways to take odd and vegetables, which is one of the things I love about doing soups and stews, especially at the time of this recording. We're going into October, some of the cooler months. And this is a great Depression Era tip, actually, that and a lot of those recipes that I'm sharing with you guys or mentioning by name are in my brand new book, Handmade, The Modern Guide to Made from Scratch Living. But one of the Depression Era tips, and it's packed full of them all throughout there, is making soups and stews is a great way to stretch what you've already got or when you have a small amount of different odd and end vegetables is to stretch it into feeding more mouths. So if you've got, you know, some odd and end pieces of carrots or sometimes you just have a couple of vegetables left of something or it's at the end of the harvest and you've just got a few and it's not really enough to cook into a main side or into a main dish. So I will take those and I will freeze those pieces and just kind of gather them all together in a bag. And you can now I'll take like the tops of carrots and the odd and end pieces of celery. So like the end and that I save the onion peels because those give you gorgeous color on your broth. So kind of those odd and scrap pieces I'll put in a bag and I'll put those in the freezer and those I'll take out and use when I'm making my broth. But if you've just got, say, a couple of whole carrots, like I had a couple whole carrots left from the harvest and like I said, it wasn't enough to really turn into a side dish of carrots or anything like that. They were a little bit on the smaller side, but it was just enough to put in a pot of soup. You can take those and put them in a bag and label those for soup. You can slowly add up and it's because it's kind of like if you go through your crisper drawer, you'll all, usually you'll find an otter end vegetable here and there. If you just put those in a bag before they go bad, then you'll have it ready to go. Because for a lot of us, it's our grocery shopping that's the area we have the most play in if we really need to cut back and save money. Speaking of saving money and having great tips on being frugal and making foods at home and from scratch, I'm really excited. So this is officially launch week, like I shared, of my new book, Handmade. My publisher has a really awesome deal, but it's for four days only, which means that this expires on Sunday, October 8th at midnight. The regular price of the book is $15.99. It has over 100 recipes stories, tutorials, all kinds of things to make handmade, including a homespun holiday chapter that I'm super duper excited about. But they are doing a special that you can get both the paperback copy and the digital copy for only $11.49. You guys, that's like, what, over 60% off? Pretty amazing. So it's for launch week only. So go to melissaknorris.com slash launch special. There'll be a link in the show notes so you can go and check that out. Get all of the details. There's some other really cool bonuses that go along with it. That's a way to get your hands on the paperback copy and the digital copy. So you have the digital copy while the paperback copy is shipping and or you have the digital copy and you can give the paperback copy away for an upcoming gift the holiday season, it's a coming. Now, if you're listening to this after October 8th, no worries. You can still check out the book and I've got some awesome bonuses for people who purchase the book that never go away. No expiration on those. 
you can go and check those out at handmadethebook.com. For our verse of the week, this is from Psalm 143, verse 10. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me into a level country and into the land of uprightness. What really struck me is that really is what the cry of my heart was, was that I would be in God's will, even if that meant staying at the pharmacy and giving up part of doing the blogging and the podcasting and the writing. I know all of our circumstances are going to look different and some of them may look similar, but what it boils down to is really just seeking what God's will for us would be so that we can be content in whatever the situation may be. That's the point that I had finally reached. I've noticed that sometimes I don't even realize that that's what I need to do as I really just need to lay down what I want and really just seek what he wants to truly not just say I'm going to be okay with that, but to be okay with it. And I have to tell you that always involves me asking for his strength to be okay in it if that's where he wants me to be. And so if you're struggling with that, I would just really encourage you to just continue to seek his will and to be in prayer about it. It doesn't always happen as fast as you would like, I have to admit. As I said, I was in pharmacy for 18 years, and if it had been up to me, I would have had my first book published and been doing this writing gig 18 years ago. But... His will, not mine, and his timing is always better than what I would have picked. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I look forward to being with you on the next episode.